Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Making Stuff Better podcast, where we aim to share knowledge and learning and spark curiosity in improving the health and care experienced by the people of Leeds. This is within the context of local care partnerships, which is the term used in Leeds to describe our model of joined up working to deliver local care for local people. Local care partnerships recognise that decisions made locally about people should involve the local community. Local care partnerships cover the whole of Leeds, one for every person, and build on the strengths and extensive history of collaboration in the city to realise some of the most exciting, person-centred transformations in health and care. Each local care partnership includes statutory organisations such as Leeds Community Health Care Trust, General Practice and the Leeds and York Partnership Foundation Trust. They also include representation from the third sector and community groups, elected members, alongside local people and tailored to the local need and the features of that particular community. But why should we do this? Well, it's the right thing to do. George Winder, a GP at Oakwood Lane Surgery, wants to make the easiest thing the right thing to do. This isn't always about creating new services. This is very much about identifying and working with the community assets that we find across the city, recognising that the population of each local care partnership is different and requires different ways to tackle health inequalities and the impact of the wider social determinants on the people in that place. This podcast will aim to hear from a diverse range of voices from across the city and we will explore why our guests are working in and with their communities. My name is Graham Hyde and I am the host of this podcast. In this episode, we welcome Hilary Brockway, who is the Primary Care Network Manager from LS2526 Primary Care Network. But relatively recently, um, as she moved into this role from Age UK in Leeds. So we hope to explore her involvement in local care partnerships from both of these angles in this episode. So welcome, Hilary. And first of all, can you tell us a bit about your current role and what a primary care network is? Okay, thanks very much, Graham. Um, So yes, a primary care network is a a relatively new, um, I think they've been in existence for a couple of years now, um, and and they're still developing, I think, really. Um, They're part of the NHS, and they normally cover a population of about 30 to 50,000, and work across a group of GP practices. Um, And the idea, I think, is that you have staff and services that work across all your practices and that you maybe wouldn't employ for one practice. Um, But also they, yeah, so they provide services across all of your practices. Um, And the way that the primary care networks are set up is there is a list of roles that you can employ, um, but it's not the same for every area. So as... um, a primary care network you can look at the needs of your own population and decide which staff that you want to employ um, so there's a bit of a mix of clinical roles like we have um, pharmacists and uh, physicians associates but then there's other roles which are linked more to sort of health and well-being so health and well-being coaches mental health practitioners social prescribers and um, we also have physios occupational therapists um, and dietitians um, 
yeah, so that's that's the way that it works in, ter in terms of the staff that we employ. But I think it's also important as a primary care network, we look at other services that work across our area. So, for example, um, we have uh, primary care mental health services um, in Leeds. We have Lincoln Leeds, which are our social prescribing services. We have memory support workers, cancer screening. So there's lots of services where we don't directly fund them, but we work with them and we want them to be integrated into our network. So we work as effective as we can together for the population that we work with and I guess most recently what we've done a lot of um, as a primary care network is the COVID vaccination program because sure. they've been managed through the primary care networks. Yeah yeah so what um, what area does your primary care network cover? So I work in LS2526 which is a little bit misleading because we do have practices and patients that are in sort of the Wakefield postcode as well, some WF3. Um, but basically it's seven practices in sort of Rothwell, Ulton, Kipax, Garforth, that sort of area. And we've we're quite a big primary care network. We've got a population of about 75,000. Okay. And are there any sort of um, you know, if you compare your primary care network to to other PCNs in the city. Are there any sort of unique features that make yours a bit different to the others? So so you were talking there about um, the roles that you're able to employ within the PCN. Have you got, and, and, and they're tailored to the population, having looked at the population, are there certain roles that you've basically gone for over and above other roles to, to yeah, to link in with the needs of your population? So I think um, I think there's a lot of commonality in some of the roles. So there's been there's quite a lot of uh, PCNs that have recruited pharmacists at the moment because that's one of the requirements uh, that NHS England have set for the PCN is around um, sort of work that that pharmacy team have to do. Um, but but as a PCN, we've also looked at um, I think LS2526 is a fairly affluent area. Uh, but some of the needs that we've identified are around higher rates of obesity and cancer. So, for example, we're looking at employing health and wellbeing coaches um, and um, also uh, OTs, occupational therapists, um, and linking that in with some of the other work that's going on in the area with other organisations. Okay, so so what do you see? So, so you've said there that you're you're a quite a large primary care network about 75,000 people so if we're th talking about working with and around that that population what do you see are the main benefits of doing that because that's that's different isn't it to what we I suppose what we've always done in the past this feels like a like a, a new a new way of looking at um, health and care so what do you see are the the benefits of this new way of working uh, well I guess I think what I was saying before is that the idea is that it fits your population. So instead of just having the same services in every area, I mean, the area is very different to sort of um, PCNs that might be based in the centre of Leeds, for example. So the services that you develop should meet the needs of your population. And, and I think also the organisations and the people that we work with know the area and they know the patients that they work with too. And what we want to do as well is to involve local people and local organisations. And I think that's where it fits really well with the LCP. I mean, I, th I think Leeds is ahead because in, in lots of areas they don't have local care partnerships and I think their PCNs are sort of the start of a local care partnership really in other areas. 
yeah yeah i think i agree with you on that one um so so you've you've sort of told us that there's a lot what i'm getting the feeling there's lots of different services that are available to the population of of your uh, area so if we're thinking about how we bring those together in a local care partnership um i wonder if you could tell us if there's any sort of um benefits of working in that partnership way and any projects that you've been interested in, in involved in recently that would kind of give a give a, an idea of um like bringing that to life that that working together uh yeah so i think as the benefits are well there's there's benefits around duplication isn't there so um instead of people doing the same work we know what each other are doing we know what the strengths of different organizations are and what they can add and um you know we've definitely found that especially some of the voluntary sector organizations that are working in the community they've got really good connections and contacts they know what's happening in their community in their local area um and they can bring the voice help to bring the voice of um local residents into those conversations um, so some of the things that we've been working on within ls2526 i mentioned obesity so there's been some work going on around that and there was a survey done by health watch i think it was in sort of november time that that was done um, and that was sort of looking at people's health and well-being during covid um, and at that point, we were looking at how we progressed out of it, I think, in the hope that things were easing a bit. But obviously that that wasn't the case at that time. Um, but we have a, an action plan as an LCP about how we can move some of those things forward with the issues that came up. Um, so there's we've done things like um, some of the local areas that produce walk booklets. Um, and we've just developed um, a micro grant that's going to be um, going out uh, in the next sort of couple of weeks. Um, where local organisations and groups can apply for small bits of money, 250 or 500 pounds to help um, improve access to local sport and leisure activities or ways to make them more accessible. But all of that's come through this survey that was done originally where we've identified sort of the needs and what people were saying they wanted. And that's led to what the grants would be. Um, but I think another thing about it that we've done is, um, as I said, we're now looking to recruit some health and wellbeing coaches in our area and they will be integrated within the LCP. So we've got members of our LCP in our, on our interview panel. It's not just our primary care team that will be on that panel. It's something that we're looking at as a wider group. Um, and we want to make sure that the work that they do integrates with what's already there so we know active leads are working we've got m1u leads and um, we've got our linking lead services for social prescribing they need to be part of those they need to be working together rather than being a completely separate service where we're duplicating things that are already happening okay so so just going back so you say you're in, you're going to in, you're employing some health and well-being coaches but when you get the applications in from people that want to apply for those roles rather than just them um, being interviewed by people in gp surgeries and things you're actually involving wider partners to get different um, perspectives on that interview panel yeah yeah right. fantastic fantastic and how are you envisaging so we've you've got these health and well-being coaches in place in in your area how do you then identify the people who might benefit from being introduced to those health and wellbeing coaches? Um, well, I think some of that, these are 
they're new roles and new services. So I think some of that will come as as the roles develop, really, and it will be in part up to those people to to do it. But I mean, it, it does work really well in other areas. And actually, to be fair, in LS2526, they have had a, a wellbeing project that ran a few years ago. Um, and so they focus, uh, it's a lot of focus on people living with long term conditions. It's quite a broad role. So it can be people with sort of low level anxiety and depression as well. And um, it's just about supporting people to to meet their own goals. So it's a conversation about what their personal goals are and how we can support them to meet those goals. And it could be around diet, weight loss. Um, it could be about physical activity. It's quite a, a wide range of things that people can be sort of supported with. But I think it's what's really positive about it, I think, is it's about proactive care. It's not always about somebody coming in feeling really unwell. We want to support people before they reach that point. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. And have you seen any evidence yet of any success in these new ways of working? So having lots of partners involved in an area, knowing the local communities, having the voice of the community and the people. Has there been any any real evidence of that's that's working so far? Well, I think even if we just take the Health Watch survey that we did, um, I mean, we had over 1,600 responses to that survey in our area. And I know that um, there was a similar survey done at a city level. And I don't think they, I think we had a similar number of responses, if you know what I mean. And I think that's in part is evidence of the contacts that we have through the LCP with uh, the local residents in the local community so um and and there are other projects at the moment too they're doing an active travel project and we we've really had really positive engagement with local community on that project as well and and the walk booklets that they they produced were really positively received as well by people so i mean i think there's more there's always more that we can do and i think it would be good to involve more people in the lcp uh, more or local organisations, but also make sure we do get the voice of uh, local residents as well. So we've got a lot of local councillors involved as well. I mean, it is a really, you know, it's a really good team that we've got, but we can always sort of do better, I think. Yeah, fantastic. Sounds great. Um, and I just wondered, how do we ensure um, that there's fair and equitable access for all um, not just in your area, but but certainly across the whole of Leeds. And do you see any differences in across the city in how different communities access services? Yeah, I mean, I think that's it's a big question, isn't it? That and uh, and I think y yes, you know, we have to work with communities and understand what their individual barriers are, and and recognise that it's never going to be a one size fits all approach. So. Um, you mentioned at the beginning Graham, that I previously worked for Age UK Leeds um, and, and with older people there is always the discussion about digital um, exclusion and you know there's been a lot of stuff in the last little while with Covid around digital access and uh, you know it's been great because people can can access but obviously there is then barriers for others and, and it isn't just older people it's people who um, don't have the same contract don't have a, a smartphone and don't have the data that they can pay for so we do have to be really careful that by the things that we do we don't create bigger and wider gaps for people um, and I think yeah our area is different that that's part of the reason for having primary care networks though and local care partnerships I think is the recognition that it is different um, and that we need to look at solutions for our area at a population level. Yeah. 
Uh, absolutely. Um, and I wondered, so you've just touched upon bits of COVID. Um, I wondered if you've noticed or what you've noticed in your community during and since COVID. And if you, I wonder if you could just briefly tell us how your primary care network has been involved in the in the vaccine rollout and, and did the local care partnership play a part in, in helping primary care to deliver those vaccines as well? Um, yeah, so I'll start with the first bit about the COVID vaccinations, I think. Um, and yeah, we've been hugely involved. Um, when I, st I started working as a primary care network manager in LS25-26 in sort of the middle of October, and I think it was about three weeks after I came into post that they announced that the vaccinations would be delivered through the primary care networks. So it's been a massive challenge, I think for me personally, but also uh, for everybody that's working within primary care and the net and the primary care networks um so that's because instead of directing things to individual practices it has been directed through the primary care network uh, but it's been it's been great as well because it's really brought people together and um, we've got to know each other i think well it certainly it's helped me to get to know people and build relationships with the people that i work with um and in terms of um, the LCP, we've had a lot of support from our local care partnership, particularly the third sector. So we've had, I mean, we, we really couldn't have managed it without them. They've supported us with volunteers to supply, to support our vaccination clinics. We were having a bit of a look at numbers the other day, and I think we've had um, over 100 different volunteers support us since wow. December when we've been running the clinic. And that will be thousands of hours of volunteer support because, you know, they're coming to support a clinic for three or four hours at a time. Um, so it's been absolutely amazing. And um, Garforth Net helped to coordinate those volunteers at the beginning as well and get people in and booked in. And it's, you know, it's been really, really busy at times. So, yeah, it's been it's been brilliant. And I think without that support, we just wouldn't have managed to do it, to be honest. Um, and then going back to the first bit of your question, which was um, about sort of COVID, and I'm sure it's probably the same across Leeds and the UK. I think what we've heard is about increased sort of isolation and loneliness, especially among older people. Um, and I know that we've got a couple of fantastic neighbourhood networks in our area working with older people and also other voluntary sector organisations. Um, so, you know, they've been really active in supporting people and, and also our practices, too. So they've they've called people during the time and, and checked the patients are OK. Um, and I think what, what you'll we'll see is that with older people, some people have their competence has decreased and their frailty has increased. So, you know, even now, as things open up, there's a lot of uncertainty about getting out and about, although obviously others are very keen. So it's, it's sort of quite personal sort of choice um, and, and huge impacts on people living with dementia and their carers as well, I think, and, and people in particular situations like that. But also when we did our survey, the other thing that came up was parents, especially new parents and those with young children and people finding that they haven't got those connections that they would have had. Um, so hopefully we can help to build those things back up. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Um... And we've you've sort of briefly mentioned that you used to work for for Age UK, so I'm just interested in, um, obviously that was that was last year, but how do you, what was, could you tell us a, a little bit more about that role, and if you know how Age UK got involved in local care partnerships, because Age UK are a, a citywide service or organisation, from what I understand. 
Yeah, so um, when I was at Edge UK Leeds, I worked as a service development director um, and, and I worked with quite a few different local care partnerships, including actually LS2526, but I did work with other, other local care partnerships as well. Um, and I think, as I guess you sort of alluded to there, it's, it's quite a challenge, I think, as a citywide organisation, because there are 19 local care partnerships and it's hard to be involved in all of them. Um, but I think we mainly became involved really through some of the population health management work that happened because there was that focus on frailty and obviously as a charity that's one one big aim um but yeah it, i mean again that was really beneficial because it's it sort of brings you together and i and i think there's a real value we had we had sta um, staff that worked particularly with seacroft um lcp and, and worked really closely with the the team there and the, the staff there and that was a really positive partnership I think brought lots of different skills and together and added a lot of value yeah 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 I think you're right um and I wondered if you knew from a third sector perspective how it felt to be involved in a local care partnership and were there any particular challenges from being a third sector organization coming into a into a local care partnership with various statutory bodies I just wondered if there was any challenges there um, so I think I, I think a lot of the focus when I was involved was on the population health management work. So uh, um, I, I suppose, as I was saying before, there is a challenge being a citywide organisation because you're trying to cover and so, sort of be involved and support as much as you can across quite a wide area. And that's obviously has impacts on time. Um, but the other thing I think sometimes there can be is, is about ensuring that the value that the third sector can give you know that that's valued and people understand what the contribution is but I do think um that that people are becoming a lot more aware of that and, and I'm sure that uh, LCPs have had a role in doing that um people can see the way that third sector operates and how you know that the how they are they are professional organizations and that their contribution is it yeah the contribution that they can make um but it but it can feel a challenge because i think sometimes it's about the language that people use and i notice it myself now having worked in that sector for a little while you get a bit drawn into acronyms and you can find yourself using it and think and i think like any, it's like anything isn't it but you've got to be careful that that doesn't exclude people or make people feel that they don't you know feel that they can contribute to the discussion but then as as in local care partnerships we also want to include uh, local people and patients we need to be careful we don't do that too we need to make sure we're as inclusive as possible yeah absolutely and i wondered if, why should we work as an lcp what's the yeah why should we bother so i i, I think i probably touched on lots of this all the way through really and for me i think um I think there's lots of things. I think it's about building relationships. It's about understanding what, you, what each other do. I think often um, we assume that people know what we're doing. We assume, um, I think with primary care networks has taken that as an example. I think we sort of assume that people know about them. We assume that people understand why we're developing them, what services we're offering. And I don't think that that's really is always very obvious. Um, but on the other side, I think there's lots of things that we can do to help each other. So, you know, again, I think when I talk about the services we're developing, I think our partners in the local care partnership can help us to tell people about what we do and 
to make people aware of, of, of how the services are developing. Um, we can make sure that we don't duplicate services, like I said, by working together and therefore add, we add value to each other. Um, you know, we're not directing people around lots of different services that they they go to somewhere and they're supported by the most appropriate service that they can be. Um, yeah, so I think it's the it's it's things like that. And I think different voices as well, you know, you've got different views and different voices um, when you get different partners around the table. Absolutely. OK, and just sort of coming to the end, um, how do you know with all this work within your primary care network or when you're at Age UK and all the partnership working, how do you know that you're making stuff better for the population that you're working with and for? Um, so again, I think that's often it's often the challenge, isn't it? And we can we can tend to try. The easiest thing to do is to count, isn't it? To count numbers. Yes. Or we've sent out this number of surveys. We've had this amount of feedback. Um, we've seen this number of people. We've had this number of appointments. But really, what we want to do is to look at people's experience, and it's that personal story um, and the feedback that we get from people. And I don't and I don't just mean our patients, residents, clients, whoever we work with, but also our staff and colleagues, you know, what's their experience. Um, um, so I think I think there's a bit of that and there's, you know, there's a lot of work being done to look at how we ask people about that and their experiences. But there is also the data. Um, you and I, Graham, have both looked at <laughs> data. We both like a bit of data. So, yeah. you know, how can we demonstrate the impact and the change through that and, and also you know we've talked about using data to drive what we do as well rather than just a, a feel for what we yeah. think this is what we should be doing yeah yeah absolutely um okay that was really really interesting thank you so we hopefully our listeners will now um know a little bit more about local care partnerships in context of primary care networks um, and also a little bit of um, work that you've done with um, in the third sector with with Age UK. So that's that's been really interesting. Um, so to round off our this episode, um, I always like to give our guests the opportunity to ask a big question of the, our listenership, readership, whatever you want to call them. Um, so, Hilary, what would your big question to the lead system be? Uh, so my question, I've, this has caused me a little bit of anxiety, Graham, to try and think <laughs> of something, but I had, I had quite a long think about it. And my question is, how can we make it easier for people to make things better? So by that, I think there's a lot of, you know, we want, we, we all work in this area because we want to make things better for people and that's what drives us. But sometimes it feels like we make it's made harder by funding or lack of data or time to work together so that's my question how can we make it easier for people to make things better yeah that is that is again another brilliant question that yes we could spend hours talking about that as well that, that's fantastic great right well we shall wrap it up there um so thank you very much hillary for your time uh, i really appreciate it um, and hope you hope you enjoyed it. It wasn't too nerve wracking. <laughs> I told you it wouldn't be. Um, but yeah, it's been great. Thank you very much. OK, thanks, Graham. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. You have already found it, but please do like, subscribe and share. 
the podcast is available on a range of platforms, including Spotify, Apple Music and Google Podcasts. You might like to take a look at some of the stuff that local care partnerships are already involved with on the webpage www.inspiringchangeleads.org forward slash local hyphen care hyphen partnerships. Thank you.